Hi, welcome to Ohio DD Talks. I'm Marcy Strader and I'm from Franklin County. I'm also on the DD Council and I'm a Project Stir State Trainer and I'm also on other committees. Hi everybody, I'm Michael Denlinger. I'm here with Marcy today. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of DD Talks. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about the ADA. For those of you who may not know, that's the Americans with Disabilities Act. And we're going to talk to you about our advocacy work and what that means to us. And I am also, along with my esteemed colleague Marcy, a member of the Ohio Developmental Disabilities Council. And I'm going to kick it back off to Marcy and she's going to Tell us a little bit about herself and her advocacy history. Marcy. Hi. Um, I started out in my advocacy work is I used to be a participant at a shelter workshop called Arc South in Franklin County. And I joined a Project STIR class there. And that's and then I became an audition to be a Project STIR state trainer, which Project STIR stands for Steps Towards Independence and Responsibilities. And that's how I became a self-advocate and I knew how I learned about self-advocacy and what it meant to be a self-advocate. Because before then, I didn't really know what that meant. So, so Marcy, what was it like when you had your first job at the workshop and how did that help you blossom into the wonderful advocate that you are today? Well, I, I came from California and um, then I went to the shelter workshop Art South and I was in the, I used to be shy. <laughs> And there, because it was my first time there from California, and I didn't have any friends there. But my mom told me to go into the cafeteria and meet some friends. So my supervisor, her name is Jamie Graham, that I had at South, she told, she got me into the Project STIR class that they were about to start. And then from there, my supervisor, Jamie, and uh, the director of Arc South uh, got me into the state training. And I, and I took all the courses and stuff that we needed to take. And then after I left from the training, I told my coach, which was my supervisor that I had at Arc South, that I wanted to be a trainer. So I practiced it up. It took about two years and I uh, auditioned and now I travel across the state of Ohio and speak with the Project STIR people and we teach advocates how to speak up for themselves and learn their rights and responsibilities and just how to be a good self-advocate. And I like to speak at other things too. Like I spoke at the state house, which was very awesome. 
And what was that like when you spoke at the state house? What was your favorite part about that? It was my favorite part is because I got to speak to advocates and people in the disability community and tell them how how I felt about things and hopefully telling like people with disabilities they can speak at the state house they can do what what I'm doing right now only thing they got to do is try so that was one of my things also about going with that so hopefully one of the people that I've taught with Project STIR hopefully can do speaking at the state house or stuff. Um, and when you spoke with your legislators at the state house, did you feel like they really cared about what you had to say and that they listened to you and that they felt like and they treated you like you were important and like what you had to say mattered? Yes, I did. That That's amazing. And I'll just tell you, Marcy, it's hard to believe that you were ever shy because you're one of the most happy, outgoing persons that I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. And it's hard to believe that you were ever shy. But you Yeah, know, I, was, I, I was just shy because I went to a brand new workplace. And I was here from California and didn't know any friends there or anything. But otherwise, in that, in California, I was not shy. Well, I would, I totally believe it. And I would say <laughs> that it's, it's more than fair to say that that shyness doesn't exist anymore. But, you know, something you said, something you said, and you and I always talk about it, really resonates with me is the stuff you talked about about your mom because my mom too had a lot to do with how I got into advocacy and like I you know I grew up you know watching her advocate for me and the things I needed because uh I grew up in a um little town in, in Cincinnati called Northside and back in in the days when i grew up in the late 80s and in the 90s you know it wasn't very accessible even our local public library didn't have an entrance where people with disabilities could get in it was all steps and it wasn't just a few steps it was a yeah. bunch of steps and and you know, two of the first advocacy efforts that I grew up experiencing was watching my mom advocate to get the sidewalks to all have curb cuts and to be fixed where there were bad damages so that I could get by on my wheelchair. And then to get the, uh, our local library in the neighborhood to, to be made accessible. And so, and the sidewalk thing, for example, took her at least 10 years of arguing about that. And I don't honestly remember how long the library took, but it took some time because, you know, that was a, they said that was a historical building 
and they didn't think that they could make it accessible, but they finally did. And there now stands a elevator and, and to this day in that building because of what my mom did. So, and then, you know, as I grew up and and as I went to high school, you know, in the beginning, there still weren't like a whole lot of avenues, even in the mid 90s for things in terms of advocacy and certainly not surrounding the individuals like you and I as far as what we could do. But the cool thing is, I think that people like probably got to be around for the very beginning of of what we now call self-advocates like us being able to speak up for ourselves and other people like us you know and so i think that you and i probably got to be on the ground floor of all that stuff yeah because yeah because i we have something else in common um I'm on the Self-Advocate Advisory Council with the Superintendent of Franklin County Board of DD. And we wrote a note to, I forget who it was, but to have the sign that says handicap to be, to uh, be having it accessible. And so it passed and in some of the places in Ohio, they have it, but mostly I've seen it is at the ARC Industries and the Franklin County Board of DD building. And what it is, it doesn't stay handicapped or just have a wheelchair on it. It has, well, a wheelchair just standing there. What it has is a person that's in a wheelchair racing with their wheelchair instead of just standing still and have a title on it just say uh, that's pretty awesome i i would actually i would love to see that i would love to see that because every accessible sign that i ever see is just the uh the wheelchair just sort of sitting in there i would love to see one in like a racing stance yeah that, it's yeah, I wish they had them like in the grocery stores and even even on the accessible uh, stickers that we have. Yeah, you know, just a little side note. One thing that I would love to see too, like um, I've seen and I've heard a little bit about that over in the UK, actually on some of the roads there, they have wheelchair lanes where you where individuals who use wheelchairs or scooters can actually drive their vehicles on the road. And I got to call them vehicles because they are, because over there, and I found this out from my, from my wheelchair guy who works on my chair, um, over there it's mandatory that wheelchairs have to have headlights. And the reason is, because they actually can get out and drive on the road there because they have wheelchair lanes. And I mean, you know, one big issue that we're always talking about is, you know, Marcy Council is the issue of transportation. Well, like imagine if we designed wheelchairs where they could actually be able to safely get on the road and they had wheelchair lanes 
I mean, and that just made me think of that when you said the thing about the grocery store. I mean, yeah. because that's another thing where you ever, where that's a very good point. Because there's a lot of shelves, especially like in those wide open freezer aisles where like you go to grab a pack of steak or hamburger or something where, where that's not very accessible and it's hard to reach down in there. So there's even a couple things where we could think about how can we make a grocery store a bit more accessible. And you just say, you just sort of made me think of that. So I just thought that was a great point. Um, what, what would you say, just to shift gears a little bit, what would you say, Marcy, is one of your personal favorite advocacy, um, one of your personal favorite advocacy um, um, projects that you've had the pleasure of working on? What was, in other words, what was something that you did advocacy related that was the most personally satisfying to you? Project Stir. What about Project Stir do you love the most? And Project Stir, I like it because it helps people to have a voice and helps people how to speak up for their self assertively instead of aggressively or passive. And to see that smile on a person's face after we, after they graduate, that just, that just makes me feel good because it makes you know that you made a difference in someone's life and if they go back to their county and try that. And one of, I really liked the interview that I did with Christopher Milo because I I heard those stories because I've taught some of those people in Project Stir. So here that I help them and the things that they're doing now and what they wanted to know about was really a cool experience. Tell us a little bit about that interview that you did with Christopher Milo and what that was like for you. The, the, media, the interview with Christopher Milo was great because I, get, I got to tell about my journey and how I got to where I am today and to show people that they can get to do like what I do. It didn't just come like magic. It took like work and they can get here if they just try their best. And I got to tell of all the stuff that I've been through through my life. And that's amazing, isn't it? I mean, I'm in that, in everything that you just said and more is, is not only what you love about advocacy, but it's also what I love about advocacy. I mean, for me, it's about advocacy means giving not only yourself a voice, but maybe this is the most important, giving a voice to those that don't have, that don't have a voice or who maybe don't have the ability to speak up for themselves. Or, you know, and it's also, 
teaching someone who might be afraid or who may not believe that they can speak up for themselves, that they can. And before you know it, you've, you've turned them into a great advocate. And you're right, you're right. It really is a feeling like no other. And I really don't think that you can describe truly what it is when you when you know that you've made that difference in a person's life and you, and you see it in their eyes and or when you show someone that they too have the power and, and then you get to see them go out and make a difference for themselves or for other people like us and like them and when we all come together and when we all work together and which I think we can all agree is something that the world today needs a lot more of. Yeah. Um, and if we could just do that, we, can, we would all see that um, we have more that we can offer each other and we have more in common than we have not in common. And we could all make that work if we all just came together a little more. Yeah, like, I, when I used to be a participant at Arc Industries, I, I wanted to be a staff member to help people like myself with disabilities. So what I did was, I found out through a couple of my friends that they had a program at Columbus State for people with disabilities to be to work with other people in disabilities and you can work in schools you can work in shelter workshops you can work in nursing homes and they give you the certification it takes a year and so i graduated in 2015 and so what i wanted to do was i wanted to work at arc industries where i was a participant at and what we had to do to our credit, we had to work at two different places. And I worked at a living skills, I, I interned at a living skills center called Bixby Living Skills Center. And it was for people that were nonverbal and couldn't really do things. And I felt like it was good to help them because, and to have a voice for them. So they can be noticed too, because I think sometimes that happens where they can't have a voice. And also at ARC East, I, um, I was a, a facilitator in the self-advocacy groups to help people at the workshop to speak up for themselves and know their rights and responsibilities and just to learn that they can be a self good self-advocate and that they can do the stuff like I do. They just gotta try their best because like my mom said, you can do anything if you try. Amen, amen, that's just, I, I think I think that is so great and like I mean I know for me and like I mean it's really hard to honestly pick one because 
you know, I've been blessed to have done a lot of things that I'm just so, so thrilled about. Um, and, you know, I remember like, like one of those was when I, when I advocated a few years back to um, get new vouchers for people who were gonna lose their tenant-based assistance vouchers here in Cincinnati and Hamilton County. Um, you know, they, they, we were, we, and myself, I was included in that. Um, we were all gonna lose our vouchers and I successfully advocated along with the local DD services and LAD, which is an organization called Living Arrangements for the Developmentally Disabled. Um, I, you know, I successfully advocated along with both of those entities to, uh, to get new vouchers, not only for myself, but for roughly 165 other individuals. And the cool thing about that was, not only did I help individuals with disabilities, but um, I also, I also was able to um, help people that didn't necessarily have physical disabilities and people got to keep their homes and I got to keep my home and, you know, um, and they didn't have to be uprooted. And, you know, that was amazing. And, you know, I think that, um, things like that and like what we said before and what you said about giving individuals who who um, can't speak for themselves or who or and I think you said it very well when you said who maybe think that they believe that they don't have that power and and I think that's what it's about is giving them that voice and giving them that power. And even if it means that we have to lend them our voices and through us, they get power and they know that they too are worth something and that we're all important. And I think that's great. And I think really when you get down to the crux of everything, isn't that what the ADA is all about? Because I, I think so. Because for so many years, until we had the ADA, people were allowed to discriminate against individuals with disabilities um, with next to no ramifications. There were no buttons on doors to open them. I mean, think about that. The things we have today and how, how far we've come and there's, there's still a lot of room for improvement in areas, but the fact that to think about prior to the ADA, there wasn't necessarily a requirement or a mandate even for a building to have the features to allow someone like you or I just to get into a door. And and just when you think about that, it's kind of mind blowing to think 
that that someone with a disability might be able to be denied entrance into a simple building or to be able to hold a position at a job. And now and over the years and since the with the ADA and since we've made such great strides, such amazing strides. Now we're allowed to hold jobs. Now we're getting some people and we're making more strides to getting people out of workshops. And we're finding we're finding the common ground that we all have. And we're working to make things so much better. And I think there are still improvements that need to be made, but, and I just, I love that we're where we are. And I, I look forward to having a future where it works for every single person with a disability, without, without a disability, regardless of the color of your skin or the set your, or your creed or your sexual orientation or whatever it is. I just, you know, and I, I hope that we can use where we were, where we are, where we're going, and how far we've come. What I would say to a brand new advocate, if they came to me asking me for advice is, I would say, first, don't be afraid to ask for help. And the reason I want, there's a very important reason why I want to say that first, because you might say, oh, Michael, that's crazy. They want to be an advocate. Won't they look weak if they ask for help? And the answer is a resounding no. And the reason is, is because when I, when I met the person who, when I became an adult, because unfortunately, by the time I was 19, my mother had passed away. And when I, when I met the person at the um, Cincinnati chapter of the United Cerebral Palsy Center, which unfortunately is no longer in existence, but I met a lady there who gave me what I call my adult training in, in the advocacy field. And um, she taught me a very valuable lesson that even, even advocates sometimes need help. And back then in those days, we didn't call ourselves self-advocates. We just called ourselves advocates. Um, and then a few years later, it became self-advocates. I still to this day prefer the term advocate because I think it's important to let advocates know that sometimes advocates need advocates. And, you know, because like, it may be really easy for Marcy or myself to advocate for our friends or for people that come to us and say we need help, but it can be really hard. It's a whole nother beast to be able to advocate for oneself sometimes. And so sometimes advocates need advocates 
So I would say first, don't be afraid to ask for help. I would say second, um, no question is a dumb question. <laughs> and you will run into people through this, through this course that might try to tell you that what you think isn't that big of a deal or it may not be important, but if to you it is important, do not let it go. Keep going. And yeah, you may tick off a few people, but you know, if we're, if we're advocates, we're not always here to be someone's friend. We're here to make a difference. And sometimes making a difference isn't always pretty. And so those would be my top two piece of, pieces of advice. And from there, I want to hand it off to Marcy and see what she has to say. Well, for one, when you're, when you're starting out and you want to be in self-advocacy, you go to a self-advocacy group in your community, it's your choice which one you wanna go to. You have that right. And then from there, you meet all sorts of friends that's involved in different kind of clubs and organizations and different things like that. So you do it from networking and word of mouth. And you also, somebody there could be from Project STIR. So from Project STIR, you'll learn how to go to the website to sign up to do the training. And you can also learn about Project STIR through Synergy, which is a conference that we have every year for people with disabilities. And that's a good way to do it. Thank you for tuning in to Ohio DD Talks. I enjoy talking to you, Michael, about the ADA Act. And I think we can still keep this cooking in Ohio and bring in our flavor and bring in our spice and show us with DD Council and everything and advocacy what we're talking about and give everyone out there a voice. So Michael, bring your flavor to it. Thank you, Marcy. As always, Marcy, it's a great conversation with you and to everyone else out there. We wanna hear your story. Tell us your story and what the ADA means to you. Thank you all so much for joining us today. And I'm Michael Denlinger and for Marcy, this has been Ohio DD Talks. Have a great day.